I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's the Soul Sisters podcast with your hosts, Jesse Katz and Dara Golub. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Dara. Hi. What's going on, lady? Uh, I drove here today. Okay. How was that? It was great. Because you're crazy and you uh, drive in New York City. I'm crazy. It's definitely a crazy thing that I do have to drive all over the city every day, pretty much. Yeah. So I do drive here every day. But today was different because um, I didn't plug in my phone. Why? My sister had borrowed the car, mm-hmm. and she had it on a setting which I didn't know how to ever get to because this radio was crazy, and it was on radio. And I literally so you couldn't play your Spotify. I could, but I chose not to plug in my phone and go to my Spotify or my podcasts, which I always, always, always do. Like since I've had this car for many years, and the experience of listening to the radio, let me tell you, is different. What did you hear? What did you discover? Well, I will tell you. I was first on a, a like classic rock station, and I heard back-to-back American Woman and American Girl. Interesting. And I was like, someone's being like cheeky here. This a is kind of funny. Americana moment. Yeah, Americana moment. And then I heard the announcer talking, and he was telling us about the music, and then, um, and then he went into the snowstorm warning, uh-huh, uh-huh. and then into a colorectal cancer warning. So that's when I switched the radio channel and realized there are many reasons why I like my Spotify <laughs> that I pay for and don't have to listen to anything like that. Um, and then I went to hip-hop, and then I heard some... Migos and uh-huh. some other cool stuff. And it was just, it was so interesting. I literally haven't listened to the radio. And you guys were making fun of me like last week or something when I like was so unaware of like a really popular band. And you're like, how do you not know this? It was yeah. kind of Will. Will Chain was like, smokers, um, right? You don't know closer. <laughs> Will was like, um, where have you been living? Like, they're ubiquitous. And I'm like, where? Like, I am literally in control of Will my. Will says ubiquitous a lot. <laughs> don't take it personally. Well, but here's the thing. I'm so in control of my consumption that, like, it's so easy for me not to Nothing have my eyes in. out. It's not sneaking in unless you tell me. Now, I, of course, I see chain smokers everywhere, but because I hadn't heard about them, right. it didn't seep in. And I was just like, everything is so on demand. And a lot of times I'll be, li- like, having my Spotify in my car, and I'm, like, just paralyzed by infinite choices and so sometimes i'm just like fuck i can't listen to anything because yeah. i'm driving and yeah. i don't know what to choose i have one burning question from this okay just yeah american woman or american girl if american you have to woman. choose really i'm big time american i don't know girl. that's one of them. my favorite petty songs yeah no i don't know i don't really have an answer about that they're both <laughs> no, great yeah, I, was quick the, answer, I, think. I mean I, well okay yeah i stick with it you're going with lenny yeah okay that's great that's good both good songs both good songs it was fu- it was like someone was choosing that for me and i know that there are playlists but yeah i don't know mm. um speaking of american women and girls <laughs> Kay flay's on the show today Hell yeah she's dope she's dope uh yeah she's kind of carved out her own thing and it's rad mm-hmm. yeah i went straight to it and asked her mm-hmm. about being a white girl from stanford <laughs> who became a, a hip-hop name yeah she's it's one- interesting She's one of those artists who kind of fell into it almost. Like yeah. it was an accident. It was like I'm a dare. Like, she became an artist off of a dare, yeah, which is great. It's great. Even if that it story's not so true. Mad, it's great. I'm sure it's true. But it's like, even if you made it up, I wouldn't be mad at it because it's a good story. There's got to be some truth to it. No, for way, sure. I'm sure it's she's true. She's super talented. She didn't seem like she was anyone who was putting on airs. She was <laughs> no. cool. And uh, she was wearing a, a cool hoodie that said, what, we are all immigrants. I think we talked about mm-hmm. it in the episode. But yeah, she's cool. I loved her. And um, her new music is awesome. So check it out. 
after you listen to this conversation. Okay, play. Where are you coming from? Um, I am coming from like immediately. Today, like, yeah, like, I just came from the Bowery Ballroom oh, where we're playing. Sound check and all we're that. just finishing soundcheck. Okay. Yes, exactly. How'd it go? Good. Have you played cool. there before? You know what's funny? I haven't. I I feel like I've played at a lot of spots in New York and opened up a lot of shows, um, but never never played there. I've been oh. there many times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a great so one. So have we? Oh, oh, yeah, look, we're just like you. <laughs> we're the same. <laughs> we're the same. <laughs> Um, okay, well, so you have a new album that's coming out in two, one and a half months one from when we're recording this-ish, um, but probably uh, closer to when this episode posts, so that's exciting Very for everyone exciting. listening. It yes. is imminent. It is. And it uh, is fierce. I hope so. We have heard some of mm-hmm. it, okay, and cool. it's pretty awesome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, and, uh And the stuff that you have written about it, like you put out... I don't know what you would call it. I, I guess you could call it a statement, but it's also kind of like a personal essay about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think someone initially was like calling it a manifesto, which sounded, yeah, 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 that sounded accurate. a little too kind of like Karl Marx, you know. <laughs> I was like, eh. um, a personal manifesto. Yeah, yeah. That's also kind of political. Exactly. I think that that for me was the the motivation a little bit. Um, you know, I wanted to explain kind of my headspace with the title and what it meant and, uh-huh. and how it was sort of connected to my personal life. But with everything going on, um, I feel like there is no way to have a conversation about anything that isn't political. <laughs> right. Totally. So, so I'm excited that we have you on here because I feel like we've been dancing around this to varying degrees yeah. with guests that we've had on lately. Mm-hmm. Some are ready to dive in yeah, more quickly than dance. others. Right. right? Yeah, I was hoping you would be down, especially because right. I read what you wrote. And so I was like, yes, we can like really get into it tonight. Right, I think it's the first example of a real explicit, like, I'm going there. I'm not going to pretend like this is veiled or in any way like you're just like I have these ways of putting it putting where we're at politically and culturally with a spin personally and I'm just gonna just be overt about it in a way totally I mean I think for me I definitely a lot of the people in my life are political you know my my parents and their kind of group like they were in berkeley in the oh, 60s yeah. 70s like super super lefty um no okay well actually w- one of them is uh-huh. but um everybody else is from well one east coast to midwest okay but you know with that kind of like ethos i think uh-huh. of when something's going on like i remember going to nevada in 2008 with like my mom, my aunt, my uncle to campaign for Obama. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like, it's kind of a family thing. Uh-huh. Politics have always been. And now I feel like, you know, I have some level of a platform and some vocal of a voice. And yeah. and I feel like, you know, I sort of made this resolution in a lot of ways that like, instead of waiting for somebody else to say something uh-huh. or do something, yeah, I'll just do it. Right. Yeah. So the record is called "Everywhere Is Somewhere," mm-hmm. and I feel where like that's being the, its own where word. being its own yes, word. See, that's exactly that's yeah. the key. <laughs> Important. Yeah. That's right. The key. Yeah. Right. And so the manifesto kind of goes. Well, I, I'll let you. Yeah. I mean, I think initially when I was thinking about it, and this is you know pre-election. So um, yeah, when was the writing process sort of beginning and middle and ending? Totally. So uh, everything has been written essentially in this last year. From about now, one of the songs I finished like a week ago. Wow, so, which is quite unusual. I feel like normally, you know, you finish a record and then like two years later it yeah. comes yeah. out. Right. So, was it an, a last minute addition to the record, or were you planning always to have the like a final song? No, no, no. It was an addition. Cool. So, yeah, which is which is nice because it feels very of the. It still feels fresh to me, uh-huh. which I think is important and kind of useful. Yeah. When you're when you're putting something out, but essentially, yeah, I you know. I had thought of this phrase uh, maybe about a year ago or something, and I think the genesis was really connected to touring, which was that Mm. one of the really beautiful things always for me about being anywhere in the world is just watching people living. You know, it's just like everybody's just trying to do kind of like five things, which is like find someone to love them, like have a house, like do something meaningful, like get drunk and have fun and like you know what I mean there's just not that many things that anybody wants uh-huh. um and I think it's it's been very kind of like life affirming to witness that mm. in many places so I think the the title for me on on one side it's it's like every place even if it's just you know 
wherever wherever we are right uh-huh. now, it, it can contain meaning. It could be the place where everything changed for somebody. Yeah. Um, or, you know, where they met the person that was going to make a big difference or whatever, even if it's just a little diner or uh-huh. a corner of a room. Uh-huh. Um, but on the flip side, everywhere, even if you feel like, you know, you live in New York City, the, the, the best city in the world, <laughs> it's just some place. It's, yeah. just, it's yeah. just a place where stuff's happening. So I think that there's you kind of acknowledging the arbitrariness yeah. of situations, but totally. also embracing yeah. their special meaning. Yeah. I guess. So yeah, that I phrase that. came before the songwriting in this for this record. Essentially, it maybe came like a guiding. It was not a guiding principle. Okay. It was like kind of, well, I had come up with it a while ago and then kind of just I have all these stickies on my desktop. Mhm. And it was just like on a sticky. Like I've got a few that I'm just waiting yeah. to And then when I was thinking about it, it it just felt kind of right to me. Yeah. In this context. So there's there's always a few little phrases like that. Yeah, mm-hmm, kinda, mm-hmm. So maybe subconsciously, every time I opened my laptop, I was stressed <laughs> out. <laughs> so you started writing, um, not knowing the election outcome. Yes, I mean maybe I started writing anticipating before a different he was outcome a, before he was a real candidate, like, like viable. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So did it become more political as as the campaign was waging on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think so. Pretty much everything was done prior to the election Uh so there's 12 songs on the record and 10 of them well there were many songs that were done i wasn't totally sure what the track listing was going to be but the last there there were two editions since like december 15th um one of which is out right now it's called black wave Mm -hmm. Uh we kind of put that out again just very very quickly after it was done and then the other song is called The President Has a Sex Tape, and that was mm-hmm. just finished. Oh, sick. That's the last one. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> now, but you know what's crazy is I, I wrote that lyric. I wrote it down before all of the actual sex scandal tape stuff. Oh, oh really? Yeah. yeah. So that's disturbing. Yeah. It was just you imagining that? It was just me thinking about, you know, the corruption of, of everything. Uh-huh. To put it mildly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, everything's been corrupt always, so that's no, totally. not new. But right. We're on a new level. It's new level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we should mention you're wearing an Immigrants Welcome sweatshirt. I am. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, this stuff is it's in our face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, so then the trajectory of the writing was from basically from your own feelings of the world changing, not necessarily the actual events happening. Yeah, which is a weird thing because I feel like everyone just has this had this feeling of momentum on this train for a long time, and now it's kind of like hitting people. So it's still a pre, it's still a record that exists pre-Trump era almost, but it's coming yes. out p- like in the Trump era. Yeah, so I, I think, think the this last song was was mi- was written and mixed or recorded and mixed post inauguration. Mm, yeah, but still, you know, still very beginning stages but i bet the the feeling of this record coming out and you going on tour with it is gonna is has this whole sort of other feeling other meaning i mean aside from the fact that it's your second full-length record right Mm -hmm. so i mean that's so exciting i mean like all of these emotions combining yeah you know you're you're still an artist just like wanting to go on tour and have and and observe people and have a great time and be successful and then there's this also like other reason to feel like what you're doing is sort of mm-hmm. has a different purpose in a way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it was real interesting. We played Minneapolis. We played Chicago the night of the election, which is where I grew up. So that was its own kind of swirl of everything. But the next day was actually a bit more, you know, that was, the I think, the day when it, w- it felt very, very eerie for a lot of people. And we were in Minneapolis. And I talked to, you know, because I normally hang out at Merch for like, you know, hour or two hours after the show, just chat with people. Do you? Um, awesome. And especially that night, you know, I just really want to take that time. And yeah. it was it was interesting talking to people because there were some people at the show who are on the right and mm-hmm. had, had voted for Trump. And mm-hmm. they were just saying, like, thanks for providing a space, even though, I, like, I know your opinion and your position, but I still felt welcome. So you weren't explicit on stage saying one thing or another? I was definitely pretty okay. explicit, <laughs> but 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 I think in a way that wanting to have I a conversation. Because I wonder about that. That I mean, the decision to be very clear in your views, knowing that your audience members are not one one way. Yes, you know, don't feel one way, and right. and w- not wanting to alienate, but also not wanting to silence yourself in any way. And so, 
totally. that's cool that your audience was like down you know even the supporters totally i think i think for me trying to to frame it because i i sort of and you know this morning i don't know if you guys saw that the w bush interview on the today show with matt lauer yeah yeah oh yeah and it's like where <laughs> i mean i'm never I'm agreeing with george yes bush. basically yeah that was the most bizarre <laughs> feeling i've had in a while where i was like uh i totally empathize with what he's saying and he sounds like a liberal <laughs> yeah well you know I, but i think the cool thing about that is and one of the things i actually really value about my like college education even though that was a very i went to a very liberal place and like it's in the bay area blah 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 you understand we, exactly they still a lot of the readings that we did and books that we read were on the conservative side yeah. to understand like what yeah, is yeah. this debate mm -hmm. in actuality it's not just you know um and i think for me just even listening to this interview with George Bush, mm -hmm. you know, it did remind me like, okay, we're not, everyone's saying we are so polarized, and I know in some ways we are, but in a lot of ways I don't think we are. I think people are feeling frustrated and sort of um, impotent or something. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, and like right. Trump is a cure for this feeling of impotence or people yeah, thought. Yeah. And and to me it, it arises more out of that. So on stage and in, in a lot of the messaging that I'm doing, I feel like I'm trying to talk about you know, inclusivity as like the maybe the rallying cry, mm -hmm. I guess, and framing some of what Trump's doing as oppositional to inclusivity. Right. I mean, that's one of the challenges I find in having this conversation is is I don't know, talking to people who voted for him, but don't quite see yet how that was a vote against their own interests, which must be incredibly hard to reconcile with yourself you know but it's like it, it's not that like you're a horrible person you're racist you're da, 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 that's why you voted for him it's like no you thought he was going to do Absolutely. these great things mm -hmm. yeah. and he's not and, and like, for the people okay who don't feel that way to understand that and not have this animosity right i right, think right. that's yeah. a that's yeah. an important point too is that like when you're at when you're playing a show and there's all these people who are united in this in this moment and i think that we have a tendency to say well they're different from us and they're and we're we're not united but but in a sense we are in fact we are yeah <laughs> in reality yeah. so no this is you're actually reminding me i I was talking about this with coworkers recently because we we're trying to figure out how to capture some of this moment for Billboard, like on video and stuff. And I was like, what if we like went on tour with an artist who was like hitting up these cities all over the country and is actually having conversations with people? Like, what an amazing like way to capture the full spectrum of it. So I'm gonna follow you yeah. with the camera if that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you seem like the perfect candidate. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what you're doing. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. I do think I think the common ground, and I think actually art is a really great way to have this conversation uh -huh. because already the premise, like at a live show, is like we're all here to enjoy and experience this same thing. Yeah. So we're all kind of already united. There's common ground, common interest, common appreciation. So. Mm -hmm. For me, it's a great place to talk about it because it already establishes like we're we're cool like right. yeah th this is a this is an exchange because i think a live show really is it's an energy exchange right so in that context i find it easier to engage with people about that and you know sometimes people are just like thanks for wearing that shirt or like right. thanks for what you wrote or i don't totally agree but like love your music and thanks for making this a good experience you know so i think you know it is about maybe the context being less like antagonistic off yeah. the bat mm, that's right. interesting yeah and it's interesting too because your music as much as i think it can be described as sort of this genre defining defying um you know you you, you incorporate indie and rock and hip-hop and all of these things but what is certain throughout like across all of those genres is that you have something to say like you're not not that all artists have something to say but in the sense that you Exp you want to communicate a message it, you even use the word yourself like messaging like that is something that I think is inherent in all of your music and that that um, is unifying throughout those different ways of communicating it musically and not that there was ever a shortage of of things to feel strongly about and write lyrically about but but now there's it sort of lends itself the the hip-hop the fat the the you know you have tons of lyrics in your songs and the ability to sort of like really <laughs> tell a story in a way that is you know well right there's uh, room for nuance there's right? room for yeah 
And that's like, Thanks. I mean, that <laughs> got you, got you, fam. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. I mean, I think that's the first time someone ever saved you on yeah. one of those questions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's what that's what drew me to definitely to hip hop in the first place is that there, when you just look at the space that you have in a single song to say things, mm-hmm. you know, it's like it really is immense, and there is there is opportunity for incredible nuance, and not to say you can't in a there's a different challenge, right, in being incredibly concise. But, yeah, I and I, I agree with you. You know, a lot of the artists that I love, like, I grew up loving Outkast, right? Uh-huh. They've always been changing, and yet it's always them. It's just... Yeah. And, and, and I think right. their voice, their style, their everything, their, their eccentric kind of delivery and subject matter, like, that's always been the consistent thing, not the uh-huh. sound as much. Right. Who or what got you turned on to hip-hop as a kid? Well, I mean, I listened to a lot of rap growing up just kind of as, I don't know, in a, in a normal way, I would say. Okay. And then when I got to college, I started listening to it in like a more obsessive way. Okay. So. Um, so you weren't as a kid imagining no, doing this as no, an no, adult? No, 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 not at all. Yeah. Um, and I honestly wasn't even until I was done with college. Yeah. On some level. Um, but So what is this thing I read about you like haphazardly fell into music mm-hmm. when you were in college? Yeah, so I was I was having a conversation with, with this guy named Sam. Uh-huh. Sam, if you're out there. <laughs> Does anyone know that he's yeah, Sam, Sam knows. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, and Sam's Sam's in the Bay. He's an awesome dude. But we were we were talking because I had just started getting into like West Coast indie rap and, and in the Bay Area at that time. I don't know if you guys know like hyphy music at all or no. Okay. That's a wormhole. You should definitely go down. Okay. But it was kind of, it was on the upswing, uh, you know, reaching its apex as I was kind of finishing college, like Oh seven, Oh eight, Oh nine, that kind of thing. And it's just this hyper local, really creative, like E40 is sort of the godfather of that, that movement and that scene. But I was listening to that. I was listening to all this UK grime. I was like really getting really into Wiley and Dizzy Rascal and then listening to a lot of living legends and a lot of kind of like conscious mm-hmm. indie rap. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is so good. Like, I love this stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And and then on the radio at the time, it was like Ying Yang twins. And I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> just like so demoralized because yeah. it's like that feeling, you know, I think for me, I was able to to really see this juxtaposition in like mainstream rap at that time, I don't think was having its greatest moment. Mm-hmm. Like I think we're having a really good moment mm-hmm. right now. And yeah, I was like complaining about that. Yeah. You were know? you a poet? Were you a writer at the time? Like, no. did you not? No. So not <laughs> a musician, not a writer. Somewhere. It was bottled. I think it was bottled up. Yeah. Honestly. And you know, so anyway, to finish this story, uh-huh. I, I was talking with Sam and he's yeah. like, well, why don't you write a song? And then I knew this other guy, Mark downstairs, who like DJed and had equipment. Uh-huh. So we approached Mark and At, like as a joke, like I'm yeah. gonna make a joke thing. Completely okay. like just can I s- yes. yes. Just like fucking around. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> You're like, they can do it, I can fucking and, like, do it. Just imagine call it. You yeah. know, it's just like yeah. 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 And I didn't drink or anything at that time, so I had boundless energy <laughs> like I was like up till five up at eight and just wow. like get yeah. at me yeah um so so yeah I started doing that and so what was the song that you recorded it's a it's a horrible song I don't even have it still <laughs> you think, were rapping I think I was rapping and um I th- well, uh, what was it about my my like one of my best friends from college she's sort of like the archival manager so she's <laughs> got it nice it was just a complete parody of like the culture of excess. Okay. So I did that and people thought it was pretty funny. I'm blonde naturally. Uh-huh. And and you were blonde then. Pretty when blonde you did this. Then. Okay. Not to say like I don't know what blonde means. That's another conversation, but <laughs> um It's real. It's you know what I mean. Yeah. So people kind of like thought it was insane and I was like just getting into web design so I like made this web whatever. I was just kind of on one. Like just I've never really been in touch with what would be maybe the 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 cooler way to do something if you know what I mean <laughs> okay. like you know kids who sort of have like a preternatural ability to understand that uh-huh like I guess, but kids. it sounds like you were like I know a DJ I'm gonna make a rap song totally, like totally. that's pretty you know that was good cool. pretty normal way <laughs> pretty good way <laughs> but I'm gonna make a website cool. <laughs> totally but I was just I guess 
I've been, I, there's like an unselfconsciousness to me since mm-hmm. I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of always been a part of it. So I think instead of being like, well, what would be like, you know, what's going on on Tumblr? Like, yeah, I right. was just, you're just going by instinct. I was just out of. there. But yeah. it sounds like that's <laughs> part of what's propelled you in this way that feels haphazard to you, which is like, I'm not going to try to fit into anything that I should. Isn't like, that always the story? No, though? it's I, not. I mean, no? we just heard how like. <laughs> You know, we did a podcast with Overcoats and they were like, we just pushed really fucking hard. We like oh, wanted sure. this. We, I think the difference being like, you're like, this is what I, not that. But not I mean, not other, trying to figure out the like zeitgeist of a moment, but just kind mm-hmm. of like doing your thing. That's what I mean. Okay. Is seems to be the ingredient. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess that's right. It can be. It's varying levels of ambition. Right. And then, right. And it's not to say that there wasn't a ton of ambition, although it sounds like you were like, kind of like. I'm just gonna. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there wasn't ambition, but there was. <laughs> there, there is now. There is now, but <laughs> in a, in a sense, there sort of isn't. It hasn't changed all that much, which is like I kind of just like making things. And I th- planning for your next trip, elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think once I made that first song and realized, like, okay, the brain thing now is a physical thing. Mm. And, like, isn't that a miracle yeah like totally. a tiny little miracle of being alive and i think like i remember when i picked up my first like cd that i'm that i made like at the end of college like uh-huh. some like kind of mixtape thing and i like almost cried just having it i was like i'm like i made this i know it's like insignificant in mm-hmm. in the in the spectrum of the world but it was it was like this really beautiful thing and yeah so i think yeah and music gave me this um it, it put me in touch with another part of myself because I was so like academic and serious about school. What were you? Yeah, what did were you, you have ambitions for like other career path? Oh, man, I mean, you went to Stanford. Clearly, you had some. Yeah, idea. I, I had some ideas. I had a, <laughs> tell I had a us, tell ideas. us. Well, so you know, I was pre-med. I was interested. No, so I was okay. a psychology and sociology major, but okay. more focused on um, the kind of quantitative side. So in, into more like data analysis, statistics, huh. and which I really enjoyed. And I still really enjoy it. And actually, my sister does um, that for part of her job. Oh, really? Too. She works for the government, which oh, is... wow. Serious. Strugs. Right okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Hey, Lauren. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so that was that was sort of what I was interested in. I was planning um, part of this, like, pro scholarship thing that I was in would pay for a, my graduate school. But I took a year off, and then that's when I started kind of, like, music stuff started happening in the Bay Area more. And Mm. then I was like, uh, yeah. So I think my plan was, I think, to continue in an academic way Mm -hmm. and then see where that led me. But I think, you know, essentially to stay in social sciences. Right. So when when did the uh, producing ask, like, so you wrote this song Mm, and then did you just get on a songwriting kick where you sort of hooked? Can I ask one question before that? What did you think when you first heard yourself mm-hmm. recorded? <laughs> oh my god, I wish I knew. Uh, um, like, was there a period? Do you think where you were like, I don't know how that sounds, or you were like, oh, I sound all right. I think it was that. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> did you have this sort of pitch and tone, and like, you have a very distinct sound, which yeah. is uh, when you mentioned Outcast, I I said to myself like, yes, they their sound sort of changes, but they sound the same. Like their voices are so distinct, mm-hmm. and their production is you know has through lines as well. But like, the sound is really totally. something distinctive. No, not at first. 
um, and you can hear like my speaking voice is lower yeah. than my singing or like lower right. in kind of tone than uh -huh. my singing voice. Uh -huh. And so when I started rapping and singing, I, I basically was talking like I didn't not to say I didn't know, but I didn't know how to use my voice or manipulate it in right. any way. How did um, you learn? Just by doing it? Just by doing it. Yeah, exactly. And then so is it practice in your bedroom in front of the mirror kind of thing? Because no, I've never done that. Just live. Yeah, or recording, mm -hmm. or writing. Like, when I'm writing, I'm kind of singing. Uh -huh. And I think a huge thing for me in realizing this is that for a long time, I was recording myself. And when you do that, you know, learning to engineer vocals is its own definite art form. I mean, there are some people who are just incredible. But for me, it was a very, you get to see, oh, if I do this, it sounds like this. Mm -hmm. Like, let me play that back. You know, and there's an intimacy when you're by yourself recording. You, yeah. you can be really free. Mm -hmm. So I think that was how that developed. Okay. But initially, no. I, like, I had this really low kind of, yeah, which is weird. Yeah. And then uh, as a, a white girl coming out of Stanford mm -hmm. trying to have a hip-hop career, yep. how long did it take <laughs> to feel like you were given some respect? Pretty immediately. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I feel like the circumstance was unique in two ways one that the bay is really its own ecosystem it's a pretty unique place do you still live for, up there i don't my my mom and my stepdad do though okay and a bunch of my like extended family yeah. and stuff so i'm there a lot where still. are you now i'm in la oh, okay cool yeah um but you know it, it's this unique place like uh -huh. it's incredibly diverse it's super kind of political always but it's all it's not that big mm -hmm. so it still feels right. like Everyone knows each community. other, and yeah. it's a community. It's mm -hmm. like, and so I think that coupled with the fact of my just complete and utter sincerity, you know, I think people saw that maybe I wasn't so great because uh -huh. I really wasn't, but I, I meant it, and I meant, I think, you know, good things. So um, a couple, so there's a group called Zion I. I don't know if you guys know them. Mm -hmm. They're like, they're amazing, um, but it's a, an MC and a producer and the producer from that group and I was like a big fan of theirs so I got an email from him and I was like <gasps> <laughs> you know just like he found your music or yeah exactly cool. um through something else and he whatever we started working on stuff together and he taught me a lot about production uh-huh you know playing live like what is that all about like they would he would have me open up shows for them come up and do songs with them like really gave me these great opportunities yeah and people just were really supportive. And were you doing this on your own at this point, like you and a laptop, or did you incorporate live musicians like it was just early me. on? Just me. I, it was me, like a laptop, a couple controllers, various guitars, which were so ill-advised. I mean, I look back on some of this, and I'm just, again, like, what? Why did my friends even come to these shows? But Who's my friends did. Was that, like, <laughs> <laughs> was that your musical direction? Like, oh, I think we sh I should have yeah, live just, guitars. Just out here, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> but but it was good because, you know, being up on, on stage alone is scary. Doing it completely sober is also very scary. Mm -hmm. So having come up in that way, I'm really grateful for it because it's, you know, I talked to some friends who like, you know, they started drinking before shows at age 14. Yeah. And they're like, how do I do this yeah. in a band? Right. And it's like, that's so hard. <laughs> Yeah. And that's I think it's true for a lot of people. So I am really grateful for that. But yeah, I was kind of in the Bay Area, opening a lot of shows, starting to get some gigs outside. I was actually thinking about my first New York show, which was I actually had a red stripe before that show. I still remember that. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm, I'm so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Have you just never been a drinker or it was a decision? No, so I, I drink now. Um but yeah, my dad died when I was young and was really, you know, deep into all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So just growing up for me, I was like, nope, staying away. It's not for me. Yeah. And but but it's it's been so cool to have that like all of the big life experiences. Totally. Both totally sober. Totally sober. And yeah. then in different, you know, different states of, states all, of consciousness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. But it's, it's very it's really like been the great experiment of my life. And I kind of recommend it to everybody. Yeah. If you have the the foresight as a young teenager or preteen to uh -huh. do that, it's kind of worth it. 
was kind of the general wise words I think, I think so. for life. Yeah. Absolutely. Wise words for us. Yeah. We had a recent it's episode so where we were offering whiskey to our guests and they're like, no, we're good. And Dara and I were like, okay, well, we're going to drink some. Well, well, <laughs> and then afterwards, Dara's asking them like, do you guys just not drink or what? Because we feel like total alcohol. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, th- it's funny because as in band and it's uh, the experience of you know, the rock star experience that's sort of that stereotypical mm-hmm. thing, just like, especially nowadays is sort of, I think, decreased a little bit. Like it's not that kind of like people are just healthier and smarter and like yeah. Yeah. trying to be more conscious about their decisions. And mm-hmm. so I think like it's normal, but I, I'm, I like to party. And it's so, you totally. know, having that, that lubrication <laughs> is like, especially getting on stage. I think yeah, a bit. for sure. I think, I mean, I'm reaching this point lately, especially where it, it's as I don't know if it's cheesy, but like everything in moderation, including moderation. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you yeah. need to be like, oh, yeah. I'm drinking juice. I'm not having this like and mm-hmm. on this really strict thing. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you need to be like, I'm having I'm a hamburger. I'm yeah. drinking whiskey. Yeah. And totally. it's like and I think in my youth, I was so tilted to that one side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And music was the thing that let me tap into the other end. And I think that maybe that's like sort of in a deeper spiritual way why I was drawn to it because mm-hmm. cool. it felt like a way to be to live in this different manner slightly uh-huh. uh-huh i feel like you know kosha dills too. i do, do you know him, him? Yeah. yeah so i've been documenting him for a while and his oh, awesome. experience is a you know jewish rapper kosha dills right. um Pickles. but very uh, <laughs> famously also sober and and That's sort of right. like yeah. where's that as a proud sort of like mm-hmm. you know and he's done it on his own for you know 10 years and it's just i th- i really commend that yeah so that's cool Mm-hmm. Um, so then, but also the production's been you, basically. Right, so, okay, um, essentially, I made these couple songs before the school year ended, and then I was working in a kitchen over the summer back in Chicago at a restaurant, and I, uh, I bought this keyboard. I bought an Ederall, really old um, MIDI keyboard. I bought an SM58, and I started making beats. <laughs> You've never played, like, had you played the piano a little I, bit as a kid? or I could play the guitar. So my dad okay. taught me kind of, like, passable sort of rhythm guitar, uh-huh. I think, because he just wanted to, like, drink and fucking solo. Yeah. <laughs> needed, like... Wow. Needed, Sounds very scarily familiar to my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... It, but, you know, I didn't realize kind of that's what it was. And uh-huh. it, was a, it was a beautiful thing. Like, those moments were so much fun, and I really enjoyed them. So I could play, yeah, basic guitar. Um definitely not in anywhere in the shredding department <laughs> at all but music the, the scale like the notes and scales made sense to yes. you. like you understood do, yeah. that yeah. Yeah. exactly i knew i knew notes there's and some scales. foundation yeah totally yeah um and definitely a lot of music like in the house and stuff but mm-hmm. but yeah and so then i got this um i downloaded this program called project five mm-hmm. it was sort of like a really weird version of reason okay but it was like knock off (laughs) (laughs) knock off reason and yeah I started I started making beats because I was like well I want to keep making songs but I don't have anything to you know sing on yeah rap on so then I started making beats and making songs and 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 I like I didn't know what quantizing was I I was so just did you become obsessive like were you just like locked in a room doing it all the time a lot of the time Mm -hmm. um I mean I you know I had that job I had all my friends at home but I you know again like I just had all this energy. I still have a lot of energy, but yeah. I just had a lot of energy. And, and you just was- started putting out mixtapes? Yeah, I just started putting out songs, yeah. and then I be- I got back to school, and I a dude called me and was like, I heard, you know, you rap, and would you play at this show? And I'd never been on stage. Like, I wasn't in plays or anything. Uh-huh. And I was, again, just me being like, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, just, I look back on yeah, it. Yeah, like, when you look back, <laughs> are you like... Man, those balls. I mean, you still clear, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, just have them. Yeah, but just so funny. Anyway, um, so then, then I, that got me into playing live. And, um, you know, I'd play at frat parties. I'd do covers. Uh-huh. I'd do all kinds <laughs> of things. And I'd just show up. Like, you what know. were your go-to covers? Mm, uh, okay, I definitely did Ludacris' What's Your Fantasy all uh-huh. the time. Because <laughs> that was the other thing. Is I, One reason I think I was also drawn to rapping initially is uh-huh. that I can I can rap really fast. Okay. So that was, I knew that from singing along to songs. Uh huh. Cool. Uh huh. So I did a lot of like speed rap. B.O.B. Big Bombs mm-hmm. Over Baghdad. Uh, yeah. Big one. Uh-huh, that was uh-huh. a very nice. popular cover. Yeah. I did a bunch of Missy uh-huh. as well. Um, yeah, I'm trying to. Th- oh, uh, 
Dre, Eminem. I'm trying Anything with FASTA yeah, was like a yeah. real crowd pleaser. Definitely. Okay. You know, that's yeah. always a good always. one. Especially like drunk people who aren't really listening. Right. Yeah, they just want you to like but perform like acrobatics. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, and then I, I just started playing around campus and, and then I started, I yeah, made like a kind of mixtape album-y thing and sold that just out of my dorm room. And just was kind of out there doing it. Yeah. Awesome. What was like the leap that you would say if you had to think back to like one moment or one decision that you did that has landed you playing Bowery Ballroom tonight? Well, probably in a way. So a guy that I had met in college who also went to Stanford, his name is MC Lars. Hmm. His, I don't know if it was his booking, I guess it was his college booking agent. Basically, Andrew introduced me to him and he started putting me on these like the opening act at like you know like Kentucky Spring Fling like (laughs) featuring Pitbull and like the rando like first person was me but I was getting paid like 1500 bucks and at that time I was serious oh when you're serious right at the gate yeah totally um and I I had been teaching the SATs and the GREs at the time that's what I was doing after college so so great which which I really enjoyed I actually I have to say um but I started getting these gigs and I was like in the month of April I made like fifteen thousand dollars and at the time I was making (laughs) what did you go on a you went on warp tour already because they were all spring shows so Mm -hmm. let me just say that way it was like all the end of the year but I thought to myself at the time I was making like 20 21 22 thousand dollars a year I was like damn I almost made all that in a month so I quit but that is so (laughs) unusual like that's crazy but then but here's the other kicker so this guy's name is Mike Mike's awesome Mike was the college booker for a band called Dr. Dog if you know them Mm -hmm. they're awesome my current manager, Seth, was working at a management company that worked on and he did day-to-day for Dr. Doc. So Mike calls up Seth and he goes, he knew Seth was maybe looking to sign somebody. And then I remember because my, my brother was graduating law school. I was I was in Washington, D.C. and I got this call from Mike and he was like, I talked to this like guy. You know, I didn't know what the hell was going on. He's like, I talked to this guy. Like, he's great, you know, um, and he wants to meet you. And then, like, later, flash forward, like, Seth's, like, my best friend. We lived together in New York for many years and with his girlfriend. And, like, we've been together ever since. And then Seth and I, like, then we started working together. And and it became a more concerted thing, more organized, focused thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a sister who works in government, a brother's a lawyer, and you're the rapper. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of the... Would you say you're a rapper? Um, Hip-hop artist. I would say would you, uh, even that. Pro- uh, at this point, no. Um, I think people have been using the word, word alternative, which, when you think about it, it's sort of meaningless. I, I think of twenty years I think ago. Of Green Day. Yeah, I think of Nirvana. <laughs> right. right. Like, so I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's definitely a mix. I think the the foundation was hip hop, but like even this new record, there's one song that's definitely hearkening back to that that kind of legacy, but. The rest of it's definitely more in a. Has that rock been world. Yeah. hard? Yeah. The the, as I said earlier, the genre defining that. Def- keep saying defining, genre defying. Yes. Is that a challenge for you, marketing wise, and just like, mm-hmm. with people trying to, you know? I mean, yeah, it is a little bit. I think it was the cause of much, uh, the kind of I was signed to RCA, f- went right right after Seth and I met. You mm-hmm. know, all this stuff started happening essentially and um it was it was definitely a cause of some level of at least confusion over there and I think but I kind of put that on myself a little bit because I didn't have the the wherewithal to know like this is right like this song should be this kind of song and like that's cool Mm -hmm. I was I was still I was still so green I mean I had barely worked with anybody like and I got put in you know it's a typical thing like I signed my deal with RCA, I was in Miami working with Pharrell. I had never, this is like me coming out of literally how long, how many my years after mom this? and this stepdad's basement. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he was great, you know, but it's like the song's not going to turn out well. Like but I, this was your first record you're talking. T- well, this song never it came became. out. Okay. <laughs> but I went through the whole producer ring. Yeah, right, right. You know, and I think I'm grateful for it because I met a lot of amazing people uh-huh. who 
I certainly got along with, even if like we didn't make anything worthwhile. <laughs> um, but it taught me to, I think that I needed to figure out what my like due north was and mm-hmm. then follow that, mm-hmm. you know, and other people telling me, like, I, I, I remember saying to someone after I left RCA, I kind of felt like one of those kids at a birthday party where you put your nose on a bat and like spin around and then you have to run. Do you know that game? <laughs> yeah. What a mean game. What, what a horrible a, game. Yeah. Is, is that Basel. a real game or is it on TV? Like, it's, I mean, it's a real, I played this game. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's like at like school fairs. Okay. <sighs> Maybe it's a Midwest thing. But, <laughs> but that's how I felt. Like I just didn't know which way to run. Yeah. Which way to move. So um, uh, the very long winded answer to that question is yes. Um, I think initially the genre stuff was confusing to me and therefore some level of impediment. Mm. Uh, and I think actually fans were able to see through that, which is kind of like the interesting. Right, the, th- the fans don't care. No, they no. don't need you to be uh, to be packaged in a label of a genre. Not at all. But but everyone else, the writers, unless do. you the drastically and change do. your direction or your sounds, and right. then the fans will turn on you sometimes. Right. <laughs> right. That's the cool thing is it's been sort of see, all I across started the board. Off in yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> so exactly. everyone's yeah. Yeah, I think in, yeah, in a way, I've primed people to be ready for anything, mm-hmm. and that's good. That feels yeah, like. Yeah. Um, I'm like your crazy cousin who was like a psycho partier, and now like you're just <laughs> Which like is oh. actually the opposite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. But like someone who you didn't know what to expect from, and so you're just cool. Like if she shows up drunk, right. sober, like <laughs> prepared, how liberating, not prepared. Yeah. It's like great. It is kind of all right. So for your fans listening, how yes. would you describe the you that they should be anticipating on the new album? The you that they should be anticipating. Which, which the me, relative are you showing up as? Um, I think. You know, it's it's certainly more in the rock world. Writing this album, so much of what I was listening to was late 90s, early 2000s rock. Cool. Because I think there was something, at least for me, it's still new territory. Because like, I wasn't into that music at that time. So I'm just, a lot of that stuff I'm like, have been just discovering in the last two years. Uh-huh. It makes it fun and fresh yeah. for you. So even though I know this kind of like spirit has existed for me, it, it never really had blossomed. So that's what I was listening to. And I'm just like, I, I was reading these articles about like Karen O and in the, in the like early 2000s in New York and like put it, you know, like there was some story about like her putting on olive oil and playing at Mercury Lounge. I was like, why wasn't I there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I want to see that. That sounds incredible. Well, that can be you now. I know. We'll get to see it. I don't know about the olive oil. I know. Well, your own iteration. Okay. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll do my own version of, of that. But, exactly. but just just that, like, kind of unbridledness. It was still that era when, like, technology, like, the internet wasn't what it is now. Mm-hmm, there weren't, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. There was something still kind of wild yeah. about it. Like, yeah. things are still wild, but they're just different. Yeah. Totally. And so, so that was, like, what was just in my the ether of my life and so I think that's really reflected and you know touring and, and continuing to play live it's like the live show is it's a rock show right yeah you know more so um even though there's lot many other elements going on so I think that kind of influenced it too but thematically cool. and everything else it's it's the same same shit yeah. you know right, it's right, not right. like eh, I didn't fall in love or anything so don't <laughs> worry I'm still unhappy okay everybody <laughs> Misery loves company. That's what we so need. You seem really unhappy today. <laughs> uh, well, we're excited to see the show. and uh, Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, so the album is out on April 7th? Album's out April 7th. Cool. Um, everywhere is somewhere. Everywhere is somewhere. Pauses. You got to yes. parse those words. Appreciate it. Yes, exactly. But yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's exciting, I think. I mean, I'm excited. I feel sick of it right now because I've been hearing it talking about it (laughs) not even talking about it just Just listening listening. like the mixes and we just got it mastered like literally okay cool you need like a little yeah I need I need a moment yeah it's like a it's like a uh foreign vacation with your loved one where like you know even if you're obsessed with them after three weeks you're like dude are you playing any of the new stuff now at your shows yeah yeah okay we're doing a few songs okay good that are like you know which is interesting because i've never really done that before yeah i've never had the opportunity to play Mm -hmm. music that people don't really know yet yeah how's it feel how's it going over it's it's good (laughs) it's been really good yeah the next like single or whatever we've been playing um and you know no one has heard that so that's pretty cool and 
yeah, I was I was nervous the first time, but it's been going over well. So. You mean Black Wave? No, 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 no. This is like There's no one has heard it. President oh. has a sex tape. This is just, no. Th- we are playing that though, um, <laughs> a version of that. Um, it's called High Enough. Okay. So that's the song, but it's it's cool. Am I gonna hear it tonight? You're gonna hear it tonight. Yes. It's, right. a, it's like a goth um, love song. Oh, love that. You All know, right. <laughs> not like goth. You know, you, you know, know all those yeah. goth love songs. <laughs> yeah, not like super canon. goth. Not like vampire. <laughs> like Evanescence. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I mean, no, you know, no dis r to Evanescence. Um, uh, that's interesting. I did use the word goth. Um, <laughs> I don't why? even know. Explain, if Christine. Why did you? Are you do walking that? back um, goth? If there's something uh, sonically. It has like. There's these there's notes that happen in the chorus mm-hmm. that are just kind of like spooky. Okay. Spooky. Halloween love. All right. We got to hear it to understand, I think, right. is what you're saying. Yeah. And I may we'll not be describing it. it right. And you're going on a headlining tour, right? Soon? So this is, I'm f- I'm kind of finishing oh, this finishing. headline okay. run right now. And then I'm opening up, we're doing all of Canada. Like, all of Canada. All these places I haven't been, which I'm really excited about. That's a fun time. Yeah. And we're opening right. up for a band called Mother Mother, if you know them. They're like, they're they're awesome. Um, they're huge in Canada. Okay, they've got a huge huge following there, um, and they've they've been already so super nice, and I haven't even met them oh. in person. Yeah, so that's like, sounds like a good. Fit. Are they Canadian? They're Canadian, okay, exactly. Well, they're from. Go. I think they're all from British Columbia. Yeah. I know, right. Well, I was joking. I was like, well, I need to like find a husband. I got a month. <laughs> It's a lot of time in Canada. Like, yeah. try to like low key get that dual right. citizenship. Exactly. Um, but yeah. Anyway, and then the record comes out. We're we're on tour the rest of the year. Yeah. So we'll all, do right. it all over the place. Amazing. Well, thanks for stopping by yeah. here yeah. and making the time. This, this is, is awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys. This is so much fun. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.